I'm not ready for the world yet, Master. I've learned so much, but each tome I study, it seems to be in conflict with the last. How can I move forward? How can I venture forth? You're the best friend I've ever known. <laughs> Let me tell you something that my master told me, and is before him. Look up. Look at the stars. Oh, the great wizards of old look down upon you. And when you're lonely, out in that big world, dreaming of new possibilities and held back by all you supposedly know, <laughs> they'll be watching, they'll be with you. As will I. What do you mean? My time has ended here. We have done much together. And three centuries is enough for one wizard to stand guard over the multiverse. It is your time to take your place, my boy. You've done well. Do not look back on what we've achieved, what some will tell you is the law of magic. You must discover law for yourself. If you cannot rule your own mind, how can you hope to stand guard over the cosmos? <laughs> I still don't have an answer to that one. <laughs> then, what shall I do? Go. Be rid of old dying wizards. <laughs> there are adventures to be had, friends to make, new frontiers to discover that I will never know. It is your time, my boy. It will not be easy. There will be those who want to drag you back to the tower, tell you you are only a learner, that your methods make no sense, that you ask much and give little, or give too much and ask too little. They will always find some little hole in your armor to pry and poke. <laughs> Do not listen to any of those doubters. Look up. Look at the stars above. All of the great wizards from the centuries have your back, my man. Now go. Greetings, programs. Show buddy Ingrid Bernal here. Back once again with another episode of the podcast. This is Runehammer. Welcome back, everybody, to episode 69. What's your favorite number, dude? 69. Actually, the new Bill and Ted movie was a little flat. And then it was even flatter. You go back and watch the original, you're like, man. We, you know, back in the 80s, we really made things out of things. <laughs> anyway, making things out of things is what we do here at Runehammer, here hanging out in the RPG podcast up on the mainframe. So it sounds like the old master, old Zymer, 
He's finally going to dissipate into the West, finally going to disappear. And, and with him, we've got a mainframe to talk about. We have got a topic on our hands for episode 69. And I don't know if like 70 is really a cool, a very cool, momentous number. You know, it's it's nowhere near as cool as 50 or 100, right? It's kind of like, woo, 70. It doesn't, <laughs> there's not a lot there, but it is a momentous moment. Um, in the world of Runehammer, which is sort of predicated by the release of the second edition Quick Start, also known as the ICRPG Core Mod, whatever, um, that uh, that I've just been releasing and troubleshooting with all of you guys and also sort of deep diving with everybody, both in some private chat channels and some emails. Um, always good to see like the fervor kind of light back up. It also will drive you crazy uh, as a publisher, you know, just basically trying to not just a publisher but a creator you know trying to like lock down all the little leaks in your boat and i swear the minute you float that boat up there you're gonna there's something you forgot there's a piece of rope that's on the dock your lunchbox is floating away there's a little you know a little sprinkler of a leak shooting out of one side of the boat where you just tarred the boards <laughs> you know what i mean there's always a little something and so on the one hand it does push you as a creator to do your best work. It pushes you to use your team, you know, those few people you really trust, um, not only to evaluate your work, but to repair your work. Because really, uh, a large team to do that kind of stuff can can really drive you nuts. Uh, it, can, it can spread the creative burden too thin. Um, and that can drive a person crazy. I hear a tiny little bell in the distance. <laughs> the modern world invades once again. <laughs> okay, so anyways, the second edition Quick Starter is, is out there now. And really, uh, there's a little bit of turbulence. And so before I get into the real meat of today's topic, which is about why Zymer is sort of vanishing over the horizon, um, the, I wanted to talk about, just clear the, the turbulence about what Quick Start second edition is why it's there and let's just talk about it there's a there's a few dis disparate posts kind of floating around and different things and it, here it is so what was it three months ago we did a poll on patreon and you guys were strongly encouraging me to work on third edition icrpg my initial concept here it's going to be about a 400 page book it's going to combine all of the stuff that's been done so far into this sort of mega book and it's going to have all new art and all new design and uh, you know revised rules. And the whole thing will be written from memory. I won't be copying and pasting any text from any other books. So that really gives it its next edition feel, its next generation, and its its finality and its definitiveness, right? And we, we all rallied behind those words, and I started on the work. Fast forward three months, and I have about 60 to 70 pages of finished, you know, mostly finished work with all new art, new classes, and new rules. And uh, we begin a play test that's now coming up on its, I think, fifth session, fourth or fifth session. Um, you know, checking how wild some of these power swings can really be. Uh, really discovering mostly that the game had not changed almost at all, except a couple tiny foibles. But most of all, then put into a reflective space about what I had done so far toward third edition and what was remaining to be done. And what I had done so far really to me was the creative essence of what third edition was going to be, which is like, look at the rules from memory, not, not, not opening up your book, but in your mind, what do you know are the core tenets and pillars that make index card RPG 
successful and sticky, I guess, is what you could say. Like, why do keep people sort of keep gathering toward it? It's still growing. And, and so work from memory as, as part of the core tenet of ICRPG, which is the things you remember are the, the core of the game. Like, if you can't remember it, it's not useful. So I looked at that, that fundamental mission, and I had accomplished it. That's what that opening 70 pages were. I had, I had done what I set out to do. And then I'm looking at this next block of work, which is this massive sort of almost clerical task, which is to, uh, to, to grab and to consolidate and clean and rewrite. And that's a key word, rewrite the different settings like blood and snow, vigilante city and all this stuff into this massive resource, right. And all the loot tables and everything. And looking at that, I just, the exhaustion was instantaneous and absolute. So what follows absolute exhaustion when you're looking at work ahead? Well, absolute procrastination. So I started procrastinating. I really did not want to attack this Gordian Herculean. That's not a a double old world (laughs) word reference. This really big, difficult task. It just didn't feel like me. It felt like putting all this stuff together to sell another book. I really don't like being that person. I mean, is there a lot of revenue in it? Probably yes. People seeing that uh, ICRPG would be in a third edition core rule book would be a huge revenue, um, you know, sort of golden cow for me. But it just doesn't feel right. It feels kind of grody. It feels against a lot of the very principles that I've been advocating and coaching in you guys. And so I have, I faced this moment where I had to live by my own words. If you're not feeling it and it's not like where your nose is going, like where your fundamental impulse as a hobbyist, as a creative beginner's mind, child's mind is taking you, don't do it. Don't get trapped in the concepts of hobby jobby. Don't get self-obligated so that you're doing something you don't even fundamentally want to be doing. And that's where I found myself. But then like a month passed, almost six weeks passed. And I'm like tormented because, oh man, you know, my patrons and my fans, they want this stuff, but I'm not sure I really want to do it. My imagination's kind of moving on to some other realm. I don't really, oh, this doesn't feel right. But man, hey, this game's going great. And, And this little blob of work here feels really tight. This is good. And so bang, what I did got out the headsman's axe, lopped it off. And that is the second addiction quick start. It's what I see now as the new welcome to ICRPG. I think the the Alfheim classes in QS2E are far superior in their crafting to the original Alfheim classes, which are a little bit confusing. And then I think the warp show classes in quick start 2E are more exaggerated. So you're going to see some players able to do some wacky min-maxing. But that's always been what I wanted out of Warp Shell was a wackier group of characters. If Warp Shell characters were to come to Alfheim, they would just seem like crazy. And and I like that. I I like having a space component that comes down like, oh my God, energy weapons with all kinds of abilities that boost energy weapons. Like Alfheim characters are going to have a very hard time surviving in a sort of imagined like PvP against Warp Shell. So is this the doom of ICRPG 3rd edition? I wouldn't use the word doom. But I do think that the concept of remaking ICRPG at this phase is a little bit misguided. It doesn't match what the audience is doing, the readership, the players and the GMs out there who are playing ICRPG. They're just now getting their feet. 
And so I think it's a strange time to suddenly say, oh, okay, well, scratch that defense rolls. I think what we have in ICRPG is a lot like, uh, in some ways, Dungeon World, where it's it's really its own statement. And its statement is get out there, take this this way of thinking, not these rules, but the way of thinking, and adapt whatever game you are are playing. And take on this way of being, not this set of supplements. So to keep releasing supplements... For a game that intrinsically says this isn't about supplements, <laughs> you start to see where my mind gets into this knot and why I decided let's just let this sleep a while. And I want to put forward my mod to the core because I do think it's cool and I'm proud of it. And it took a lot of freaking work and it's a little bit of a adrenaline rush to give it away for free. But there it goes. And this is part of what I really wanted to talk about on Mainframe 69, which is this is a little bit of a mailbag day, too, because the mailbag is brimming this week, um, partially because of the release and because of ThinkDeck. So ThinkDeck was another element that, to me, was a, a defining and a wrapping a bow around Index Card RPG. Index Card RPG, before it was a rule set, was a mindset built around using images to kick yourself creatively in the head and create content. I'm, I'm more about content that's playable than I am about cool rule systems. Playable content to me is the suchness of what we do, the substance that we feed upon that sustains us as hobbyists. And those original card images that I drew when I was still working with Oculus and stuff, I was still in the video game industry when I was drawing a lot of those index cards with a Sharpie, like sitting at conventions or sitting in the office, piling up all these drawings on literally on white index cards. Um, that mindset to me has completely con condensed and, and turned from vapor into droplets down into the form of the think deck. The think deck is absolutely definitive. If anything is ICRPG third edition, it's the think deck and its sales are doing really good. And that makes me very happy because I do think it's like a true essentialization of what the index card RPG mindset is all about. Rather than hit you with more content, it says, make your own stuff. And here's a way to help you make your own stuff. So with all those things in mind, it's time to sort of creatively move forward. And this is why our sort of master and apprentice metaphor that we've been playing with for 69 episodes of this podcast now is going to come to a conclusion. I'm going to let go of a lot of my characters. I'm going to let go of a lot of my realm and a lot of what I've been doing. And I'm going to start moving my head forward. And I think this is what could be interesting about this episode of the RPG mainframe. Okay, so you might be feeling that sensation of looking down when you put your VR headset on and there's no ground there and you've got little virtual feet dangling and whoa, you feel your guts drop on you. Well, I'm definitely feeling that. So uh, if you're feeling a little bit of that right now, I, I would say welcome. <laughs> Creative frontiers are certainly terrifying, especially when you make a living on them. So right now I'm in a little bit of that phase of like, oh my gosh, am I out of my damn mind? What am I doing? But I've said many times in the past about Runehammer and about creativity in general, it's absolutely critical to look within and ask what it is that the little child inside you wants to play with. And that is where you will find creativity. 
If you look within and ask, where's the revenue going to come from? How do I live up to expectations? You may find hard work and you may find effort. But in my opinion, and I've coached this so many times, you will not find the real root of creativity. And now I have to follow my own advice, which is just terrifying. I'm ready to move forward into something I'm not quite sure what it is yet. So even all the dead ends that I've experienced, which I hope you guys appreciate some of the sort of pants down terror of revealing your dead ends to a readership and to sort of so-called fans or audience. I don't really like the word fan. It kind of feels a little degrading to me. <laughs> Y'all, my shield wall, right? So revealing my dead ends is, is really scary. Like Viking Death Squad so far, I keep making that game and tossing it. It's so cool, but then it's not cool. Um, same with Spectroid. I've tried to make this little thing. Same with my pirate, my little pixel pirate thing that I've been trying to do. I've made it and thrown it away many times. Um, I had another thing called Boneheads for a while. Um, I had, you know, old Mokhtar, which had a ton of work in it. I've had a, a, an adaptation of it to focus on dagger dice that just never quite came together. And like, that's okay. What isn't okay is to then punch yourself in the stomach and say, make this work, damn it. People expect it to be cool. How come you haven't made it cool yet? You know, grit your teeth harder, Mr. Creative Man. <laughs> no, no, that ain't cool. <laughs> that ain't cool. That's not a life I want to live. Even when I'm doing this professionally, as they say, which I, that word does not apply to me. <laughs> take it from me. So if I take that advice and then I look within I think it's time to sort of basically start with this podcast right here, which is just explaining it from the heart rather than trying to type frantically into doing new posts. And, you know, there's another element at play here, and I hate to bring it up because, damn it, am I sick of talking about it with everyone I know. But it this is the year of this COVID life that we are all adapting to. And no matter where you stand on what you think is really going on or what's ahead or sort of where you are, you know, scientifically or politically or anything like that, we can all admit that this is a difficult year to get through unscathed, meaning just like you were, you know, doing stuff at the same joyful pace that you were doing it in 2019, wherever you stand, whatever kind of lifestyle you're living out on the entire planet right now, it has been affected. If it hasn't, I don't even know who you are. And so just like everyone else, I have been affected by this sort of strange life. I also relocated right before the lockdown. So I've been living a very monk-like existence. Yesterday, actually, was the first time um, that me and my significant other had someone like openly sort of talk to us in public that we didn't know, who instigated a conversation with us. Really, and, you know, said like, hey, you guys want to you know, come over for a party. <laughs> and, you know, we had, we were out on the motorcycle and stuff. So you can't exactly like, you know, dive into a gigantic COVID house party when you have a motorcycle on your hands and you're like, you know, a, an hour ride from home, like that's not going to happen. So we realized then riding home, like that was the first real contact with new people we've had in a new city on a new coast on the other side of a continent in seven months and we kind of just because funky timing had to kind of decline 
But you know what? Even though we had to decline, it felt fantastic. And it's a little hint at what's been missing. What's so tough about this? Yes, we're all playing online as an adaptation, right? And even some table groups have agreed like, hey, it's going to be safe for us to make contact. Let's pick our group up again. That's also happened. But you've got to face it. Our hobby was hit right in the stomach, like so many other hobbies and lifestyles, by COVID. And every once in a while, I realize it again. I'm like, how come my my joy levels feel low? And I'm like, oh, because I need my fellow humans. My fellow humans are my favorite thing in life. So without your fellow humans, sure, you can get by and you can find things to be excited about and happy about. But that fundamental glowing core, it simply is not there. And to this, this is affecting me creatively. And I think that's okay. And I would like all of you guys out there to also feel okay if you're being affected by this in ways you hadn't imagined, because I don't just think it's sort of a clumsy way that we're being affected. Like the way we saw it in the early days, like in March, I think we now have some deeper psychological effects that are happening to us because of the absence of human contact, bountiful human contact. And I want to respond to that creatively. I want to use it. I want to harvest it. I want to lean into it. And I want to go there. I want to go into that place. And I don't think that that place is just easily associated with what I've done in the past. Because going to things in the past reminds me of that missing joy center. Those missing people. Missing rolling physical dice. And looking into my friend's eyes. And feeling that joy as I decimate them with another breath weapon. (laughs) I don't want to look back to those moments. What I want to look forward, I want to look into is almost the way to describe it. Where I'm at. What my opportunities to be creative are in the next few months. And it's something new. The only thing I can really put on the table as a sort of a teaser or a spoiler is that I do want to work in color. Years ago, about, uh, geez, six years ago, um, I was a concept artist working in video games and I was sort of famously known, well, famously, you know, by a hundred people or something, famously known and quoted for saying that I was absolutely baffled by color. That, you know, I can draw my way out of a paper bag and, you know, I can work a dry erase board like no other. But if you really need to sit me down and understand how color works, I just am completely baffled. Especially when it comes to, you know, showing distance and showing the subtlety of light and and how colors also create mood and how they create pop and accent and all these different things. I'm just baffled by it. Fast forward six years. The six years most densely packed with drawing and painting of my entire life, by the way. Um, especially the last three years, it has been a constant companion. And now I'm starting to feel not that I've got the hang of color, but that I'm now no longer afraid of it. And I'm interested and I want to work in full color. And once again, index card RPG is this Sharpie style, this Sharpie mindset, which I stand by and I don't want to change that. I think it deserves to stand as it is because a Sharpie on an index card is still, to me, the building block of all RPGs. And so I can't just make full color index card RPG. That's just silly. And so whatever is ahead, I want to work in color. Instead of working on so much white paper, I want to maybe play with dark paper, with like glossy paper. Someone on the forums threw forward the idea of sort of... um. 
a kind of like a graphic novel or a series of vignettes or sort of mini panel stories of some kind that sort of delve into some creative realm. That's terribly exciting to me. And I want to lean into that and see if I'm capable of that. And so, of course, as I do every single month on the RPG mainframe, I do have to reach out to my shields and ask for patience and ask for support. And I'll post my work as I can, whatever isn't, you know, sort of secret or proprietary. (laughs) But I'm about to do it again, I guess you could say. I'm going to take this journey that our apprentice that's always been in the intros of the RPG mainframes, that's me now. I am now going to sort of leave Zymer's tower. And I imagine when the apprentice walks out onto this snowy landscape, he looks back and the tower sort of, there's a a shimmer of snow and a, a blowing of a drift of snow. And then the tower really is just a formation of rock. There was never a tower there at all. That's the level of Zymer's magic in my imagination. You know how like, um, like old birds, they die with a lot of class, <laughs> you know, like you see a bird falls out of a tree into some rocks, right? This bird had a great life. It was like five years of straight up flying around, hanging out with his kids, you know, eating tasty worms, living, a, living the best bird life. And then at the end, just kind of his little bird heart just kind of gives out. He topples off this branch and he hits the rocks, right? But, you know, birds, they don't get all nasty and juicy and like, you know, horror movie. They kind of just sort of dry up. (laughs) And there's just a sort of little bird skeleton there and it's kind of not that gross, you know, it's kind of just and then they kind of just dissipate down into the rocks and it kind of just looks like, you know, some twigs in the rocks and then sort of they're gone. And that's that's how I imagine Zymer. Like he sort of returns to nature in a way that's not gross and that's not morbid. And I also want to apply that same bird falling out of a tree type mindset to some of my creative work so far. It's not a gross ending filled with juicy bits and oozy smells, as they would say in The Hobbit. It's a it's a, a coming home over and over. And I love um, Beyonce's new sort of film, um, Black is King, because she also talks about this great concept of like, you know, you return to yourself over and over. You swim back to the shore and there you are waiting again. And then you go out on another journey. All kinds of crazy stuff happens and you wind up swimming to a new shore and there you are again. Now, that's a little bit weird, right? That's a little bit psychedelic, but I like that notion. Because it both encourages going out there to somewhere new and then also returning and finding like, like all the things that you rely on again, all the things you really like, your methods, the people around you, where you live, the food you like to eat, like what time of day you like to be creative or like to play or when you like to write or when you like to draw, when you like to paint minis, when you like to carve balsa wood or like when you like to go skateboarding. Those are that shore that you return to in yourself. But that first step is to swim out. And right here at Mainframe 69 is the swimming out. So I want you guys to keep an eye on the Patreon page. I'm not going to run a survey this time for this sort of round of creativity. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just swim out and see what I find out there. I'll keep you informed. 
May your dice roll high. I hope you guys are all staying safe and healthy, taking care of one another. And as Beyonce would say, you're part of something way bigger. So hang in there, everybody. We're going to make it through. You got to keep it real. Do not steal. And I'll tell you what, you're always going to get a deal. This is your old friend Ingrid Burnall here, representing Runehammer here on the RPG mainframe. I'll see you guys on that old internet. All right, I'm getting on out of here. Here we go.